It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome to uh, the Upfront program for this Thursday morning. Roger Bouchard here, Monday through Friday on WNRI. Thank you very much for, for joining us. Each day, the program is like a spoke on a wheel. It goes in five different directions on five different days, although it's named the same program. I guess variety is the spice of life. Joining us uh, today, as he does every Thursday, is Christopher Boulay. He's a financial uh, planner type of guy, vice president, UBS. And uh, he doesn't appear on the program in that capacity, although sometimes we do ask for his expertise in that area. And um, I will be asking him a question about that in a few seconds. But generally speaking, we cover a wide range of topics. And you, as a listener, are invited to participate. 769-0600-766-1380. Good morning, Mr. Boulay. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. It's great to be here. Nice to have you in studio. And as I just mentioned again, you're welcome to participate in any way that um, you would like to do that. 7690600. And uh, it is open line conversation. And so about two days ago, Chris, um, I just happened to, I don't know if it was a radio or the TV at home or what, whatever it was, and like, I think I said uh, the stock market went up 500 points. I don't know if that that continued to be, but how how's the economy, at least from that point of view, doing right now? I think the market's doing quite well. The Nasdaq, which we've talked about uh, quite a bit, and most listeners know, is very technology heavy. So there are big companies there that mean a lot in terms of the market cap: Amazon, Microsoft, Apple so on and so forth, and they're actually near all-time highs, exceeded 10,500, and I mentioned uh, about a month ago, I remember when NASDAQ crossed 5,000, it was a big deal, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is the 30 companies representative of American industry, have done quite well as well, and <clears throat> I sent you a piece this morning, mm-hmm. and uh, let's see if I can find it here, and I'm, it's actually a couple of days old, but there's a company called Moderna, and they're out of uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, Excuse me, and they haven't made any money yet, but they've had tremendous response for the corona vaccine. The trial produced "quote unquote" robust uh, immune response. So, 45 out of 45 people took it, and their antibodies were four times as great as uh, people who've had the coronavirus and uh, and uh, no longer sick. So, the first one for this company was put out about. I don't know, three weeks ago, and it wasn't peer-reviewed, but this was in the American uh, Journal of Medicine, which is, uh, you know, quite well-respected. So that stock did really, really well. Who knows where it's going to go from here, up or down. But the market, and generally feeling that the underpinnings of the economy are very, very strong. We had very, very low unemployment before the coronavirus. Basically, full employment was considered to be 4%. Under the Trump administration, it was down to 3.4 percent. People had money. The the, uh, the velocity of money was really moving quickly. And the economy was doing quite well. So we have this coronavirus. And as I've mentioned before, it's no big prediction. But these companies are going crazy. There's some great, great American companies that we talked about that are moving this along. Pfizer said that they're doing well with their vaccine and they're going to have 1.5 billion doses by the end of the uh, year, beginning of next year. This company's done well. And I'm surprised, I have to say this, but I'll say it again. I said it yesterday, that there are, this is not a one company leads all. There are many vaccines out there for, for common things. There might be 20, 25 companies that participate in it. So the market is so huge that if 20 companies participate in it and all grab some market share, they could all potentially do well. So it's not going to be, well, Pfizer is going to dominate the market and so on and so forth, or Moderna is going to dominate, or Gilead, or what have you, although Gilead's got their, their niche. So... Everyone's looking at it very enthusiastically, and the bank earnings are coming out this morning, and the banks 
you know, I, I can a, a very, very solid. They've never been as good financial shape as they are now. They're well capitalized, much better capitalized than they were in 2008, 2009. That's actually a fact. So people looking at that, there's a lot of trading activity and equities and fixed income. So I am extremely bullish on America, and I might as well be because you're going to be right most of the time when you are. All right. Well, that, that kind of uh, helps me uh understand that uh, the pharmaceuticals and the research and development it's almost like a road race with a hundred uh, people in the road race and they're all they all have uh, great scientists working for them <clears throat> they all have they all want to go for the first prize uh, because uh, finding a cure uh, is going to be a big cure but they might be Five or six different cures is what I'm I'm hearing here. Five or six different companies who come in first, second, third. You know, it, it looks like um, with all that research and development, um, uh, something has got to happen. Of course, the sooner the better. And, and again, I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on the radio. But Moderna had, they were 45 for 45. I mean, it's not 10,000 people, but every one of them... <clears throat> had very mild discomfort with the needle because again stuck it's like a you know it's a vaccine gets stuck with a needle sure and they felt a little bit tired but all 45 of them had great responses uh to the coronavirus and are now immune to it and they're going to track them for another year or so but if you have to take this um vaccine you know once a year for five years to get this beyond us. I, I got an article from Jeff yesterday, Jeff Kamash, saying that somebody said that Rhode Island's going to take five years to recover from uh, the coronavirus. I, I, that's BS, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope it's BS. Now, I look at uh, um, the industry here at the radio station, and um, uh, did, we, uh, did we get hit? Yeah, a little bit. But we didn't really uh, suffer um, all that much. I'm not quite sure if it's... Uh, Customer loyalty or good management? I think it's good management, to be quite honest with you. And, uh, and, and, and the charm of management, too. All right. I want to talk about United Health and Blue Cross just for a half a second because, you know, there are some real winners uh, in, this, um, in this race. So Blue Cross and, and United Health, they're collecting premiums uh, from all their, uh, all their customers. So the, the money is coming in at that end. But at the other end, they're not having to pay out as much. Because people who uh, need hip surgery and uh, all kind of elective surgery, well, they didn't get it in February or March or April or May or June. And a lot of them aren't getting it in July. Some people are going to the hospital and having some of the surgery done. But hospitals are still waiting for their customers to come back. Their customers have health insurance. But if the customer doesn't come in for the surgery, then United Health or Blue Cross don't have to pay for it. And they are gathering huge sums of extra money. I guess maybe someday they'll have to pay it out. Have you heard anything about this uh, this issue? A United Health Group profit doubles to six point six billion dollars with COVID nineteen slowdown. I mean, I'm not sure what I can add to the explanation you just gave. It's uh, you know, it's exactly what's going on. <clears throat> I. Uh, my insurance company uh, just reduced my premium by 20%, and that's probably a little bit above average, but people weren't driving as much during the coronavirus crisis when it was a little bit more severe. And um, I looked did an inventory between 15% was probably the low to 30%. They were actually reducing it. Well, will United Healthcare Group reduce their premiums? I'd be happy if they slow them down. I mean, I pay, uh, my company pays the about twenty five, twenty six thousand dollars for a family plan. I pay half of that. So if they if they actually just take that money, increase their reserves, um, that would be great and, and slow down the increases. But I, I would not want them to give the money back. Nor do I think they're going to give the money back. I'm so glad you shared that uh, premium payment uh, with us, because um, of, of course I'm on Medicare now, and then I buy a book. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> And I, I buy a premium, um, a premium health uh, insurance policy to fill in the gaps. But when you gave that figure of over $20,000 a year, it reminded me of the old days uh, when, when I had to pay that out of my pocket. And so there's still a lot of people that have those huge, <coughs> incredible premiums from United Health and Blue Cross that I forgot about. Because when you enter that Medicare realm, uh, the... Um, that big payment drops away. 
it's, it's a double-edged sword because it, it's extremely expensive. <clears throat> Excuse me. As Warren Buffett says, the United States of America has a 10% um, disadvantage in health care because the – and these numbers, are they're about right. Uh, they've, they've moved up a little bit. But we spend 20% of our gross domestic product on health care. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the world averages around 10%. So when we're manufacturing stuff on the auto lines, we're paying 10% more right off the get-go. However, if you're a wealthy foreigner and you have major surgery and you've got money, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the United States of America. So, so it's, it's a double-edged sword. We certainly have the best uh, medical care in the world. And, but we we struggle with it. And I, know, I think if we, you and I are doing the show in 10 years, and I hope we are, the number will not be 20%. It'll be 26 27%. There's, there's a way you have to do that. And the hard thing is, and nobody likes to talk about this, is that most people consume most of the health care at end of life. And um, it's a very touchy situation. But at some point, as uh, Mr. Silver said, uh, the former president of Brown University got himself in trouble. And I'm just repeating it. When you're ripe, sometimes you got to go. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to spend a million dollars in health care... For your entire life, um, maybe $700,000 of it might be spent in your last year. Hey, do you have a topic you'd like to bring up? We'd love to hear from you. I just wanted to mention before we go to our first break, last week while Peter Nerona was on the uh, radio here in the studio, thank you for arranging that that guest, one of our listeners, he said that he was wishy-washy and said that Peter Nerona was a liberal. And um, so I only noted that note after the program had ended. I'm, I, uh, I'm probably, if I even saw it while it was un- ended, I don't think I would have interrupted Mr. Nerona and said, hey, I've got a guy that thinks that you're, uh, <laughs> uh, you're, you're easy uh, and you're a liberal. But I was looking at my notes. I just wanted to ask you this question. I was looking at my notes from last Thursday, and um, we talked about deadly force. We talked about body cams. We talked about defending the police. We talked about the second segment, uh, Second Amendment. We talked about verbal assault, Black Lives Matter. We talked about um, um, the Attorney General and ruling on Governor Raimondo's uh, executive orders and whether they were constitutional or not. I I never really thought that that Mr. Nerona was a conservative by any means. But I didn't get the impression from that interview that he's a bleeding liberal, uh, on the other hand. Did you? Well, he's not Elliot Ness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, uh, I remember him. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I, am I dating myself? You are. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I have a personal bias. And, and I like to tell the audience that sometimes people will come up to me and say, you know, treat me like I'm a reporter. This, this, this is something I do because I enjoy your company. I, I love WNRI and, and I love being on the radio, but I don't do it for a living, and I have no trouble saying that Peter Narone is a very good friend of mine, and I've known him for years. I think he's doing an excellent job as Attorney General, and I told him that after, after the interview. But yeah, he sees things a little bit more liberal than I do, sure. and one thing he does focus on, and I've got to keep an open mind, because I haven't been in his situation where you're prosecuting the same person ten times you know, in, in, in five years or what have you, and what is going to get to that person, get that person to turn his or her life around. Generally, if it's violent crime, it's 90% male. But what will get to that person to turn their lives around? And we've seen it. We had a gentleman years ago who wrote a book called Rock Bottom. And he's a CEO of a company, and, and basically he hit rock bottom. He was arrested many, many times. Somebody got to him. The guy was super intelligent, and now he's a multimillionaire. Um, I have a copy of his book signed somewhere in, in my library. That can happen. So I, I think there's a goodness in Peter Narona that sees that. And we can reach these people. And then you look at the unemployment rate under the Trump administration at 3.4 percent and there are 6 million jobs in the country at the time, maybe a year ago that couldn't be filled because we didn't have the skilled people there. So he may see a bigger picture. I put a lot into that interview and I thought I was very challenging and maybe a little difficult because I'm fed up as a middle-aged American I'm fed up when when people are brandishing guns to protect their house because of a mob and they're going to be potentially prosecuted for a hate crime. Or you have Black Lives Matter 
painted on the on the ground in the mural in front of the Trump Tower, and that's okay. But somebody who goes and defaces it is going to go to jail. However, somebody who takes down a statue of Abraham Lincoln, that's that's no problem. So I'm frustrated, and I wanted to know where he stood, and I would say. I'm happy he's the Attorney General. I voted for him. I supported him. I'll highly likely support him again in four years. Does he see things a little bit more of a liberal eye than I do? No question about it. But that might be 95% of the world. <laughs> all, right. all I know is that when uh, when he's here, I, I got the feeling uh, that he's a very decent, uh, compassionate uh, law enforcement officer. And... If he isn't, he's got me fooled. We'll be back in a moment. The Little Red Truck is at your service. We are A&R Trailer Rentals in Woonsocket. We're a company that has those 45-foot storage trailers for rent or lease, and 20-foot ground-level containers are also available. And we offer leasing with the option to buy. We specialize in household and commercial storage for the public. So if you're looking for a place to store household items while remodeling or renovating, then look Look no further. We have your temporary storage needs available for a fraction of the cost of those storage facilities. And if you're looking to store seasonal items like uh, snowmobiles or jet skis, we have the perfect solution. Call Al Gagnon at 766-1919. Need temporary storage? We're the Little Red Truck. Give us a call. And for your lawn and garden, we can deliver Wright's Farm cow manure, or you can select from an organic mix, which is a lab tested by the University of Maine for your lawn and garden, but also gravel, sand, clay, stone dust, and mulch available, delivered right to your property. Al Gagnon's little red truck will bring it to you, and here is his number for rates and more information, 766-1919, 766-1919. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. This is the Upfront program on WNRI. Roger and Chris Boulay, social distancing, of course. We follow all the rules. We don't want to get in trouble with uh, Dr. Nicole Alexander-Scott or Gina Raimondo or Stephen Pryor or any of the officials at the State House in Providence. Anyway, welcome back to our program. Christopher Boulay is in studio, and we have a few topics that uh, we would like to introduce besides the one we've already talked about. Christopher, you're on. Well, one thing I wanted to talk about very quickly is we just heard a commercial from Kayakasha, and it made me think about taxes. I finished my taxes uh, last night. I usually do them months ahead and then I fine-tune them, look over and over and over again. I actually do my own taxes. And I was very proud. I was within $2. I think I owed the state 1000 I think I got a $998 refund from the from the federal government. So I was a wash up, huh? It was a wash, yeah. yeah. I've, I've been off by 20, 25, 30 grand, so I'm <laughs> pretty happy with that. But what it, what it did is, I've checked with my congressman, and I'm going to check again. Um, in negative things, sometimes there's positive things. We all have this incredible rush to get everything done on April 15th. Uh, being working for a major brokerage firm, our clients want all their 1099s and, and all that stuff. And you've got to get your W-2 and all the stuff. And, of course, you can't get your partnership uh, stuff for, all, uh, for months after that. But I don't think there's any darn reason why we shouldn't make tax day July 1st or July 15th. Anyway. So, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Going forward, so I'm going to, uh, again, check with uh, Congressman Cicilline. I, I talked to his office before this happened and said, why are we doing this? Why are we abusing ourselves for 415, driving the CPAs crazy, driving everyone crazy into this rushed amount, when in fact I bet it's revenue neutral to the United States Treasury and to the states because I think most people get a refund back. So, anyway, that's my thought for the day is... We should extend it. There's just no reason to bifurcate this thing and, and, and jam it into um, just a few months. Well, it probably uh, is a, 
a good time to do it since we've already got this July uh, tax deadline this year. So we do it a year from now. But my only question is, not a big student of finance, what happens to the three three months that we lost? Uh, is there is there any money loss or is it just time loss? Um, uh, I'm thinking, well, taxes, your, your, your $900 was due April 15th. And and the nine hundred dollar uh, refund was due to you, April fifteenth. But but now it's um, it's July fifteenth instead. I'm not quite sure whether losing a few months makes any difference financially, um, and I don't know if that's a good question. Well, no, I think it's, I think it's an excellent question because that would be the only thing or reason not to do it. But my reckon, I, I understand that most people look forward to their tax refund. Well, if you're looking forward to your tax refund, you're going to get five, $6,000 back. Well, nothing's stopping you from doing your taxes early. But why put everyone under the pressure? Um, that So I'm thinking revenue, it'd probably be a wash. And, I, you know, our deficit is $26 trillion. I don't think a floating, uh, you know, $100 billion one way or the other is going to make that much of a difference. I just see it as everyone just under incredible pressure to get their taxes done before they go to Florida, uh, before they, you know, start their summer vacations, before, um, you know, the 15th. And I just think it's an artificial date that needs to be expanded. That's you, all. All right. If you have a comment on the tax uh the tax man cometh date instead of April 15th to uh, maybe July 15th. You're welcome to comment. Our number is 7690600. We're doing a variety of topics. Uh, Chris will be leaving in about 15 minutes and then we'll be uh, filling in with uh, Jeff Kamash. Uh, so uh, if you hear him, his voice disappear, we have not banished him <laughs> from the studios. This was a pre-arranged agreement. He has uh, somewhere to be. But we have other topics uh, in that time period to uh, to talk to you about. What's another one, Chris? Well, we have a story that state was, you know, city of Providence, statewide, but I guess is also national, is Mayor Lawza completely going out of his lane and talking about reparations as a city just to get the conversation started. And everyone seems to want to be the first person to talk about something so they can be remembered but it's obviously highly inappropriate in my opinion i think it's obvious that for a city uh mayor of a city of province of 190,000 people first with a city of 190,000 people this is the best we can come up with is is mayor loza but to talk about reparations um it, the city of Providence is hanging by a thread. They're also the people who have pension plans that have 6% COLAs built in them from the CNC days. They're going broke, and now they want to give away money that they don't have. So they're going to go to the state of Rhode Island and ask for it. And, you know, my thought about reparations are think about the whole picture. If you want to do reparations for this, I think everyone in the world, in the United States especially, should put aside money because we might be doing stuff today that requires reparations 100 years from now. So I think everyone should put $10,000, never mind their retirement, never mind their savings, never mind helping their children go through college. Put their money aside into a reparations fund so we can take care of future generations for things that we might be doing today. It's stupid. People, it is stupid for reparations, and I come on here for an hour or so a week, and I opine about my opinion. But if, if they started talking about reparations in the state of Rhode Island or Washington D.C., I would be down there. That's one thing that I'm going to push back on, you know, hardly, very strongly. Because what about myself? I, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I am one eighth American Indian. So what I do, put seven-eighths of it aside, and the fact that I'm American Indian, partially, I, I, I want to uh, get reparations. It's just really stupid, and it's very, very frustrating. And then people who are allegedly well-educated are not thinking through this. One of the people who've actually called themselves out on slavery is Brown University. I sent you a report this morning. And Brown University under Ruth Simmons did a 2012-2013 report, and they released it a few years later about what they did in the slave trade. And we've got people, we've actually got politicians in the city of Winsocket who went to Brown University, and they claim that they care about Black Lives Matter. Well, it was well known that Brown University was big in the slave trade. It's, It's historical facts, although historical facts may be taken away eventually. Why would you go to Brown University? Why would you be proud to go to Brown that was built in the back of slaves? It's silly. 
why don't you give back that degree? And not only that, why don't you put aside about $400,000 to pay for a minority student to go to Brown University who otherwise couldn't? Brown University has a $4.2 billion endowment. Why don't they take 50% of that and give it to the city of Providence and let them give it out? It's just very, very frustrating, the, the lack of common sense that these people have. They'll say Black Lives Matter, yet they went to a racist school that the entire thing was built in the 1600s and 1700s based on the slave trade. You know, let's 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 have a discussion here. All right, uh, two points. We have a caller waiting. Uh, I just wanted to mention two points that were mentioned yesterday as to why Mayor Olaza would bring up this topic at this time. Number one is that uh, somebody speculated that in two years from now he's going to run for governor of the state of Rhode Island, and for some reason in his mind, and maybe in the minds of strategists in his. Um, campaign office, if he has such an office, this would be a good thing to base a campaign on to run for governor. Reparations in the state of Rhode Island for indigenous people and for African Americans. The other speculative um, idea that was mentioned uh, here at um, the radio station, I heard it on, on a talk show besides the running for governor, is he thinks that this may be a way here it is summertime, and remember, Providence Place Mall was attacked this, uh, you know, about a month ago, was attacked by a group of protesters. There is, a, there is a segment in the Providence population right now that is very violent, very anti-American, very anti-establishment. And this may be, in his mind, a way to calm things down in Providence by having, remember these reparations have to do with lots of discussion for the next couple of years as to the history of uh, indigenous people and the history of slaves in Rhode Island. And uh, also uh, that will be a an academic discussion, and, and like I said, there's no money on the table for at least a couple of years if uh, there's any money at all to come. But it's a good way to calm the troops this summer in Providence. I, I, I think both of those uh, explanations are scary one way or the other. Let's grab some phone calls, all right, before you leave? Sure. All right, here we go. First call, hello. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning, Chris. Um... Chris, uh, in light of the insurance companies, uh, the medical community giving uh, rebates to the people, how about property taxpayers who pay for the schools, school buses, extracurricular activities, field trips, sports? If there's no school this year, by some, uh, for some reason or another, uh, would the taxpayers, property taxpayers, get... Uh, some kind of uh, a reimbursement uh, for their contributions. Well, I, I would contributions. I would sincerely doubt it, and we could take the city of Winsocket as an example. In the mayor's budget, she put in a 99% uh, collection rate in the taxation uh, for the property tax, and that's never happened in the history of Winsocket, to the best of my knowledge. It's usually been 97 to 98. Um, I would think that 98% would be challenged because p there are people out there who are really, really struggling. There are people out there who have been deemed to be non-essential employees. Well, if it's your job, and you make a living at it, feeding your family, I would submit that that is essential. So I would think the chance of that are happening is zero. I think that probably has a bigger chance of happening than reparations. Okay, and also, Chris, do you think that the uh, children will be going back to school or not back to school? Well, you know, I, yeah, I, um, I, I, I'm trying to take it all in, and, and I'll we'll, uh, underline and underscore that I don't even play a doctor on the radio, but... There are 135,000 deaths of linked to COVID-19. So assume 50% of them are phony and there's something else, but let's annualize that 135 so we'll get back to 100%. There's 335 million Americans. The death rate is 0.03%. It's silly. And then the children, by and large, uh, are, are healthy and don't have an issue. I do agree it's a political issue not to bring the kids back to school. I mean, Harvard, I mean, excuse me, the Ivy League, they're not going to have uh, sports this year. Who's going to miss it? Was it um, uh, 
Buffy going to miss the badminton tournament? I mean, they're not very good at sports, so nobody cares. But I think we should go back to school. Enough's enough. And the only thing we can put pressure on is what we talked about earlier in the show, is making strides in the vaccine. But when you look at the death rate of 0.03%, the mortality rate, for us other things, it doesn't make any sense. Obesity kills, you know, 25 times that many people. Nobody's talking about that. They're just looking for the next flavor of Doritos. Chris, thanks for being there. Thank you, you bet. Have a great day. Thanks for the call. Next call on the Upfront program. Hello there. Your comment, please. Good morning. I'd like to make a couple comments. And please. we would love to hear them. Thank you. Um, you. You were talking about the whole reparations um, dialogue that seems to be started. Uh-huh. You know, one of the big points about this supposed dialogue is if you say, as you said this morning, Chris, that it's not affordable, it's not realistic, you will be accused of being racist. And that's a dishonest statement, because I know you're not, but the reality is, is you can't have a dialogue if people are already poised to throw a brick at someone because they disagree and throw out the racist card. You can't have an honest dialogue about anything anymore because of that accusation being touted in midair all the time. Oh, there's, there's, there's no question about it. That's their only argument. As a matter of fact, I want to touch upon this for a quick second. I was going to get into more details, but we're running out of time. You must have heard about what they're doing in Seattle at the for the employees. They're pulling yeah. all the white... Uh, employees aside and telling them you've got to get rid of your white privilege and, and your whiteness and you've got to give up your your sense of security and on and on and on. If that's not a racist thing, then nothing is. Exactly. And and it, it's just wrong. And, you know, as far as the whole reparation thing, the reality is, is there isn't anyone for at least two to three generations in this country that has either been a slave, owned a slave, sold a slave, or had anything to do with slavery in this country. So it's rather absurd. And we also have, as a country... We haven't been completely honest in dealing with, with the Native Americans. We haven't been completely fair in dealing with some of the African Americans. But we also haven't been completely fair in dealing with many other people. And the reality is, is that it's, I'm not going to pay for the sins of my fathers or forebears because, honestly, I didn't commit them. And I don't think that that's even a logical argument at this point. It, it, it's not. And, in, and I may not be in a position... I, I've brought it out that I, I am one-eighth American Indian. I'm seven-eighths uh, French-Canadian. Say I was five, say I was seven-eighths American Indian. Hell, I don't want money from something that happened 150 years ago. That's crazy. That's absolutely well, insane. Well, and, and, and on the same token, on the other side of it, Chris, um, some of my ancestors came over on the Mayflower, and one of my ancestors helped settle Rhode Island in the 1600s. So should I be held responsible for what they may or may not have done? This isn't even logical. No. It's Ron, totally unfair. Yeah, Ronald Reagan, if he was alive today, would say, here we are talking about reparations, doing things to make up for the sins of 100 years ago when we're not holding people, people accountable for what they're doing today. Right. You know, they're, they're rioting, and we've got people like, Mayor laws are telling the police to stand down. It was happening in Minneapolis and in Seattle and so on and so forth. These people are committing crimes today, and we're not holding them accountable to that, yet we're going back 150 years. It, it, it's stupid, and I don't care what, you know, you could take any politician. When they start talking seriously about reparations or, or at all that they want to support it, uh, I stop listening to them. Well, thank you. I just, I just had to say this because... We can never have an honest dialogue in this country as long as we're, we're playing the race card in a dishonest fashion. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Before, before, I've got a few more minutes, but before I run out of time, I did want to say hi to Michelle and Eddie of North Whitfield, who I ran to K's last week. They, they listen regularly to WNRI. They wanted to say hi. And uh, I wanted to thank them for saying that I look too young to have adult children. That's uh, so... <laughs> Huh. Well. You, you can't top that, right? No, I cannot top that. Thank you for your call. Welcome to the program. Hello. Uh, hello, I'll be quick. A cu- 
quick comment and a question for Mr. Boulay, and then I'll hang up and listen to the answer. All right. The comment. A lot of uh, elderly people, you know, lost their spouses, and they're trying to survive on one Social Security check. And we know the prices of food and everything went up. I think they should give some of the elderly another check. Now, my question for Mr. Boulay, do you know what the percentage you have to have of Indian in you to qualify for all the uh, benefits like education, free education, and things like that? And do you qualify for that? I'm just curious. I'll hang up and listen. Thank Thank you. you. I, I, I absolutely do know that number, and it's one one sixty four hundredths, um, according to uh, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, if she's right. Yes. Uh, no, Elizabeth Warren says she's one one thousand sixty fourth American Indian. That's what she used to uh, to uh, benefit herself at Harvard. No, I, I, I don't know what that is. Again, I am one eighth. I knew this my whole life when I applied for colleges. I never even considered uh, using that as a crutch. So, How did I, you come across that uh, figure? I mean, what ma- did you do a... Uh like one of those uh, genealogical research projects, or no, you just knew it? No, my grandfather was, was Cherokee Indian. Mm-hmm. So, so, he came so you from, knew that? Oh, yeah, he came from Canada. As a factual family um, history. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Just wondering. Yep, so anyway, that's that's that. So, Any other uh, topic you'd at least like to leave me with for, uh, for shall we say, um, a future reference? Because we certainly have a lot of them. Like uh, defunding uh, police and, and things like that. But uh, well, anyway. Well, yeah. I've, got, I've got so many, but since you talked about the police, um, I've been introduced to a, a gentleman who's going to be on the show in the future, and he's uh, an expert witness on um, police um, violence. What's what I'm looking for? Um, uh, brutality? Uh, brutality, uh-huh. and, and whether it's appropriate or not. So he's an expert witness uh, throughout the country. He's called in to see if something was excessive force was the words I was looking for. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll talk about some uh, high-profile cases and how they go about it. And, of course, the Attorney General talked about the case in Lincoln, where in Twin River, where that police officer kicked that woman right in the face, which obviously is... Uh, beyond the pale but we, we're going to go through some examples that maybe people are familiar with and that will be a future show uh, now you have a authorized uh, absence uh, from the program and from uh, the Rotary Club meeting today okay. okay thank you sorry about that all right thank you Chris Boulay for joining us on the program that's not the end of the show no Chris uh, has a commitment uh, it's just the uh, end of this segment and we're going to do a few ads, and then we'll be joined by Jeff Gamash. So uh, stay right along with us. There's more to come on the Upfront program. And your calls and comments, well, they're always welcome right here. The Roast House is open seven days a week, and our hours are 11.30 a.m. to 9 p.m. And we're featuring outside dining and inside dining, and, of course, takeout. To make a reservation to dine or to place an order at the Roast House, call 508-883-7700. And check our menu on the Internet for... TheRoastHouse.com. Thank you for your support during this period of transition. The Roast House, Farm Street, Blackstone. We welcome back old and new customers for inside and outside dining. Yes, you can get a luncheon menu at the uh, Roast House. And uh, some of those prices are like $6.99, $7.99. You can't beat that for lunch at the Roast House. And uh, as the gentleman said, you can call ahead and make a reservation. And, and your table will be ready inside or outside, or or you can chance it, right? And um, if they don't have a reservation at a table, they'll take your name and telephone number. They, they have to do that. That's all part of what restaurants have to do. And, uh, and they'll seat you right then and there. The Roast House, Blackstone, Massachusetts. Are you thinking about opening a business or expanding your existing business? Do you need a building to rent or purchase? Call one of the best commercial realtors around who has helped over 30 businesses start up or grow in our community. Contact Garrett Mansuri at Gateway Realty, who can help you find that place that works for you. His phone number is 401-651-1519. And start your search today. There's plenty of office, retail, manufacturing, industrial, or vacant land properties out there on the market. And Garrett Mansuri can find it for you. His phone number again is 401-651-1519. So give him a call today. 
Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light. 30-pack, $25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs Liquors now offers in-store shopping. Come on in and browse around. You're welcomed. Social distancing observed at Champs Liquors. And remember, if you have a question, call us at 765-1800 and we'll cheerfully answer any question you have about beer, wine, and liquors. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Woonsocket. Inside dining, outside dining, or your favorite pickup order to go from Grumpy's Restaurant, Bellingham. Open seven days a week with a great luncheon menu and a full menu from burgers to steaks to seafood to our Italian dishes and our tasty pizzas. One of the best menus in the area. Hungry tonight or today? Come on in today and enjoy the friendly service, reasonable prices, and great food at Grumpy's. Call ahead for pickup order or place a reservation to dine in at 508-883-0101. Grumpy's, one night. Pulaski Boulevard, Bellingham, Massachusetts. Grubhub delivery also available. Grumpies, and uh, they are open uh, today, today being Thursday. They open at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they have those $10 dinner specials. And uh, they, uh, they are quite the value. I've had them a number of times. And on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we'll be open for noontime. And we'll also be serving our luncheon menu tomorrow. And that's a, a pretty good deal. We're Grumpy's, Pulaski Boulevard, South Bellingham. And Brian LaHousse uh, asked me to uh, ask, not, not ask me to ask you. Yeah. He wanted me to thank you. There are a lot of customers that were very loyal during the takeout-only period at Grumpy's. And I, I went over there a few times myself. I love their burgers there. And um, so Brian says, hey, thank you. And now we have outside dining, inside dining. And we still do takeout. But uh, our customers were very supportive during those tough times. And Massachusetts was a little bit more stringent than Rhode Island. But we uh, still made it through. Thank you from all of us at Grumpy's of Bellingham. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right. Well, uh, Christopher Boulay uh, had an appointment. Uh, you know, he's got uh, financial planning to do with uh, other people. And so, therefore, uh, he's sure. out of the studio. In the studio is not a financial planner. It's uh, Jeff Gamash, uh, radio broadcaster. That's how he makes his living. Good morning, sir. Well, I'll be glad to uh, address any financial concerns you may have. Let the questions fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let the right. questions fly. Right. Neither one of us have a 401k, <laughs> but we'll be more than happy to address your question on a 401k. That's and, right. I know somebody who does. Right. There you go. I don't even know why they call it 401. Uh, hey, that's I do, a good question. I do know that that's the area code for Rhode Island. I'm going to ask Chris right. that next time I see him. But that's I don't a great know. Question. Um, I don't know what that means. Uh, you mentioned Grumpy's. I just I I, I was uh, thinking of my favorite thing at Grumpy's was uh, they have a tremendous grilled chicken sandwich. I love a good grilled chicken sandwich. Nice juicy. They call it the ultimate chicken with Swiss cheese, bacon, and mushrooms. I do get mine without the mushrooms. But it is a nice, uh, juicy piece of grilled chicken, and it is so good. Just putting that little thing out there, Roger, for the next time you swing by Grumpy's, and then you come back to the station, they do have doggy bags. Now, I want to mention, uh, I, we didn't mean to do an extended commercial for Grumpy's, but since you uh, added that, I want to mention, I think that what you have never, I don't think you've tried their pizza. No. And, I, and we have a number of times of... We've gotten in there. These are 12-inch uh, wood-fired crust pizzas, and they have uh, a dozen of them, including uh, barbecue chicken and buffalo chicken. And uh, mine is spinach and basil uh, pizza with uh, spinach and light cheese and basil and, and of course, uh, their great sauce. You can get the pizza white or red at, um, at Grumpy's. Uh, the sauce, folks. Uh, mm -hmm. White sauce is more of a garlic base to it than uh, the uh, to regular tomato red. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's what I meant. Yep. White or red at uh, Grumpy's Pulaski Boulevard in South Bellingham. Good pizza there seven days a week. I right. had somebody ask me the other day, what, what, is, a, what is a white 
white pizza. They, so didn't, never seen they, white they didn't know pizza? what it was. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought everybody knew what white pizza yeah. was. Well, there's some make it differently, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you remember the old Santa's? He made one with a elf. That was the name of a pizza the, the old place? The Santa's right next door to us. Uh-huh. Then I yeah, yeah. called it Santa's. Yeah, Santa's mm-hmm. Pizza. Mm-hmm. Oh, he made one uh, without a garlic, but with a uh, with an Alfredo sauce. That mm-hmm. was really good. It wasn't as garlicky as your traditional white pizza. All right. Hey, now we are officially into this segment. If you've got something that you would like to talk about with us, uh, please feel free to, to do so. And uh, we will be uh, more than happy to chat with you. Governor Gina Raimondo moving her news conferences or news briefings to once a week instead of, well, at one time in the height of the pandemic. It was seven days a week. Then down to five, then down to Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and now down to Wednesdays only, unless there is a necessity to, um, shall we say, have a extra news briefing. But right now, um, she feels the pandemic, in Rhode Island at least, is under control enough that she only has to do updates one day a week, even though the numbers did spike up a few numbers um, a few days ago. So um, that's how she's handling it. The only reason I'm bringing this up is I I do know that um, in one of our news stories, I noted that the trouble spots were nursing homes and the other trouble spot was urban settings like Central Falls and Providence where people live in tenement houses or they congregate um, in very close quarters. The new new problem area is 20 to 30-year-olds. And they're at the beaches, and they're just having a hell of a time. It's just not even a problem. And, of course, when they, um, when they go to the beach and leave the beach, they want to get themselves a clam cakes and chowder. Uh, they go to a concession stand. Uh, no social distancing. Oh, they need a beer. Uh, they, go to, um, they go to one of the restaurants where uh, beer is being served. And so they are the, uh, according to both... The health director and the governor, they are the two, uh, they, they are the, the category that has uh, now joined the third category of uh, issues in Rhode Island that is helping to prolong the uh, coronavirus. Is she picking on the wrong group? I, I don't think so, Roger. I think that there is a, uh, uh, I, man, there's a lot of confusing uh, information out there, especially with the young people. Now, certainly wear a mask, folks. It's not a difficult process. Some folks don't want to do it because they simply don't want to be told what to do. Some don't feel it's a, it's a bona fide uh, issue. Uh, young people have been, been kind of fed on a side story from the beginning. It's more of an older person problem. The young people aren't dying from it. And if it doesn't kill you, they're not afraid of it. Um, but the notion of the mask and, and the self, selfishness of not wearing one is protecting your fellow man. Although a person might be young and say the coronavirus ain't going to take me down, doesn't mean you can't spread something and take somebody of an older generation down. So I think it's a little bit of of a a lack of empathy for your fellow man or human being uh, while we see this. Also, if you've been in any businesses, Roger, and I've had this discussion with several different types of businesses when I may be around and you notice a customer not wearing a mask, is this notion... And I'm hearing it from the staff and owners that, well, we can't make them wear a mask. And so there's a, uh, another uh, conflicting tale. Must you or must you not wear a mask? And is it enforceable? Most of the businesses I'm in, where I see them dealing with a customer without one, say it isn't. One caller here before we leave. Hello. And how are you today? Are you there? Good morning. Going once. I think I hear the radio in the background there. Yeah. All right, we'll give uh, another five no, or six seconds. I think I just heard it. I think we did heard a disconnect. Disconnect there. All right. Well, we tried. Thank you for your call, even Ma- though we didn't get a chance to talk with. Maybe you. it was a financial question. They heard my voice and said, "Wait, Chris yeah. ain't there." Maybe they don't think that we're financial <laughs> experts. <laughs> anyway, if, uh, if, oh, we dis- if we disconnected you, we apologize. And if uh, you're uh, still on the line, we're going to take a, another shot at you. All right. Why don't you press the magic twanger? All right, you're back on. It's only me. No apology needed. Okay. Jeff, you're absolutely right. Um, There are a lot of things that contribute to a lot of these people thinking that it's no big deal not to wear a mask and not to do what they're asked to do. 
And I think that came from the beginning when everybody was saying how young people didn't have to worry about this. And it's continued. But a perfect example, um, one that you didn't mention, was recently there was a 27-year-old that contracted the disease, and he was all over the news. Um, his thing was, I didn't think that I could get it because I was young. Well, where are you living? Under a rock? Mm. You've got to be kidding me. You don't know what's going on with this virus. With I mean, you know, it's talked about incessantly. How can you not know what's going on? And that's part of the problem also, is that there's a generation of, of people that don't pay attention to anything that's going on. They just you know, do their own thing, I guess. I don't know. But that just astounds me that anyone that, at that age, at this point after the outbreak, could say they really didn't know that they could get it. Uh, it just blows my mind. I believe, I believe the young man passed away in the story you're referencing. And if it's the same one I read on his deathbed, actually, uh, uh, to the doctors and nurses in the room, apologized because he had attended a COVID party. And oh, admitted, there we go. Admitted that yeah. was wrong. There was a mother who lost her two children within a span of less than two weeks to coronavirus. And we see in the news here, Roger, the average age of coronavirus cases now in the 30s. I believe 38 right. is the average That's right. Age. That's right. That's what they're saying. Um, anyway, and of course, you know, um, with all of the pictures of all of these younger people, um, you know, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds being on the beach, I, I see people with children that are much older than that, and they're around the beach at the same time that all of this other stuff is going on. So how do you protect yourself from people who are not going to listen to anything? I mean, you know, you it's just its just scary. And hopefully this will start changing it for the better. But, you know, I don't think we're going to see that too soon. Have a nice day, gentlemen. Thank you. As you were speaking, I, I was thinking of uh, those people who uh, object to wearing masks and social distancing. They're part of a, another uh, generation of people who earlier uh, did not want to wear seatbelts, who earlier did not want to observe speed limits on highways, who earlier do not like to get inspection stickers on their car because they think that uh, that's uh, an infringement and, and an unnecessary uh, thing, who do not like uh, police uh, patrols um, uh, canvassing for for speeders and so forth. This is a generation of people that just don't like authority. And wearing um, a mask and social distancing is a guidance that your government has given, and they just don't like it, and they're not going to do it, come hell or high water. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Jeff. Thank you, Roger. Have a good day, everybody. Oh, you're on the air at 10, huh? Yeah, 10 a.m. this morning. We are, we're falling into a country theme on the sing-along. Join us for some fun. <laughs> <laughs>